Welcome to the Speak Up Talk Radio Network. I am Pat Rula, and today I'm excited once again to share a recent and returning Firebird Book Award-winning author with you. She is Donna M. Young, and her two books titled, the first one, Grace Abounding, and it won in the category of Christian fiction, and the second book titled, Fear and Other Names of the Enemy, won for religion nonfiction. Donna has many more Firebird Book Awards to her credit, and it's always such a treat for me to spend time with her. Donna says, I am a multi-award winning author who has found my purpose in writing to give God glory. I love knowing I can touch the world with my words and His grace through this simple act. And that is so beautiful, and so is my friend Donna Young. Welcome back, Donna. Oh, thank you, Pat. And it's great to be here. I always enjoy talking to you. <laughs> I know. This morning, my husband said, so who are you talking with today? I said, oh, an old friend. And then I thought, oh, that's so neat. I feel like you and I are good old friends. And I do, too. I do, too. You're a beautiful lady, and you have such a beautiful purpose. And it just shines out from you, the glory of God and, and what you're doing with the women's shelters and and the bedding and everything. It's just it's such a beautiful thing. Oh, that means a lot to me. Thank you. Thank you. And uh, congratulations to you once again on the Firebird Book Award wins. Oh, thank you. Yes. You know, I was thinking about you the other day and um, was thinking back to our very first conversation where we talked, maybe it was our first, where you talked about your first published book, how it was an account of your journey with cancer, and it's titled When All Else Fails. And I was thinking, who knew when you wrote that that first book that you would have so many more and so many wins? I Well, certainly not me. But again, remember, I think the last time we talked, um, I said that when when someone said, oh, you should enter your books in contests and things, I always thought, ooh, you know, um, what if they're not good enough? What if? You know, what if I don't win anything? Then that would be an embarrassment, especially since I am writing for God's glory. Does that make God look bad? Does that make me look bad? I don't know. And then my husband reminded me, when you sit down to write, you always pray first, and you always tell me that the words that you're typing out are words that God is giving you directly. So if God is writing the book, how could it not be an award winner? Mm-hmm. And I think as long as we always remember to give the glory to God, it's not me, it's his glory, then I I truly believe that we're already a winner. Mm -hmm. Oh, I, I love that you said that because I know so many people feel the same way. They've told me that they're so scared or hesitant to enter because what if I don't win? Like you say, and I'll be embarrassed. And uh, yeah, but what if you do and what if you put the credit, you know, somewhere else, as you are saying, that you are basically the instrument for the words? Right, right. Um, I also remember the last time we talked that you had said, because I have a three-year-old that makes noise in the background, her mommy is watching her right now, or she would be climbing <laughs> on my back as we talk. <laughs> and, uh, I was talking with someone yesterday on the phone, and she was climbing on my back saying, Kisses, Grandma, kisses, 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 Grandma. (laughs) And that, of course, was coming through on the recording that they were doing. So uh, you had said to me, you ought to write a children's book. Yes. 
And that way, if there is some little three-year-old in the background making noise, people will understand it. <laughs> and so I have ideas going on for a children's book right now. Um, I'm working on a book called River of Tears that, because I have a three-year-old in the house, hasn't made much progress. But I've got several ideas for children's books now that I believe God is impressing on me. Oh, Donna, I love this. I just got chills. I love this so much that uh, maybe our conversation sparked it. And, and Kisses, yeah. Gra Kisses Grandma, I mean, that could be a book title. That is just so sweet, isn't it? Yeah, yeah and that idea came through you. Uh -huh. so, <laughs> so when that happens, you, uh, God will get the glory, but you'll get some credit. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll take it. How's that? <laughs> love that kisses grandma oh you you know that's the sweetest thing i thank you yeah, for sharing she's that a, she's a little sweetie pie oh yeah what a blessing for you i know it's probably not easy having a little one around but uh you wouldn't trade that for the world oh no you know um i think i've told you before we have eight people living in our house yes. and there are moments <laughs> where i feel like but the majority of the time i feel so blessed because normally when you're an old woman, you know, I mean, you and your spouse maybe are still around, but, but the house is so quiet and there just isn't any life there, you know? Yes. And how blessed am I to have uh, the everyday noises, the, the fighting, the bickering, the loving, the caring, the, the kisses and everything going on all around me. And I, that, kind of keeps me going, I think. Oh, for sure. And I think we mentioned this last time, it works both ways. The gifts that you are giving to all of those living in your home, especially that little one, um, to have, wow, to spend time so close to your grandmother. Mm -hmm. That's You know, it used to be that it was common for three or four generations yes. to live in a house together. Mm -hmm. And in these past decades, that has become a, a, a non- thing. And I think it's important to know the places that you came from yes. and, and the stories of those people, you know, yep. it helps, it helps you define who you are. It does. And it's one thing to maybe have a grandmother tell you about that when you're older, it's quite a different experience to live it with your grandmother. So yeah, blessings all the way around, my friend. Yeah. All righty. Well, we are going to dig in now. We're going to start with the book titled Grace Abounding. Give us a little peek into that book. Sure. Um, Grace Abounding is the sequel to The Days of Grace. And when I wrote The Days of Grace, I ended it in sort of a shocking way. And I had people, because they would go to my website, calling me on the phone and, and sending me emails and notes saying, you can't leave this book that way. I had had no intention of writing a sequel to that book about Gracie. Um, a lot of the things in that book were things, even though I write it as fiction, um, a lot of the things in that book were experiences in my own childhood and, and life as a young woman. Well, um, it was easy to go from there into a sequel, though I have to say the sequel uh, Grace Abounding is entirely fiction. None of that is based on my life. But it was easy to to 
transition into an adult Gracie and write the experiences that she had and the comings to Christ of the people in her life. I think that is becoming more natural for me to write about people coming to Christ. We have discovered in our church a number of situations over the past couple of years. Um, This is a church that we are newer to. Uh, My husband just started pastoring there. Um, It'll be two years, well, this month in November. And um, there are people that have gone to that church for decades and are older folks that um, when we're talking to them as they're in a nursing home or even, for instance, on their deathbed, that um, these are people who have sat in a church their entire life and had never personally asked Jesus to be their Savior. We're finding that more and more out in the world. We've been doing um, visitations for folks who don't have a church, who live in towns near us. And when we talk to them, they say, oh, yeah, I go to, you know, I went to this or that church my whole life. And then we ask them, have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior? Personally ask him, I'm a sinner. I know you came and died for me. Um, I know that you are the Son of God, and, and I know that your sacrifice, if I accept that, will give me salvation. Have you ever asked Jesus to be your Savior? And they tell us, no. Going to church their whole lives never knew that they needed to perform that one act. And then we get people who say, oh, but I shouldn't have to do that because grace is free. Yes, grace is free, but you do need to request that grace. And in finding this out, now when I talk to people, the first thing I ask them usually is, hey, I'm Donna Young. Have you asked Jesus to be your Savior yet? (laughs) And I'm finding more and more people that didn't even know that they were supposed to do that, didn't even know that they were supposed to, to be convicted of salvation. Not convicted of sin, but convicted of redemption. And that has become a major theme in my books now, making sure that I bring up salvation and how that salvation is acquired through the grace of God, but but being sure to say I'm a sinner and asking for that salvation. Mm. So writing my books now, and Grace Abounding is one of them, I make sure that that is covered. I might want to take a little sidestep with you, if you don't mind. I've interviewed several authors recently where they talk about, and they put words to it that I'd never heard before, was church trauma, where they talk about being involved in a church for years and years and years and actually feeling put down by the church and never really being taught. As you're saying, how would they know to ask if no one taught them? And then at the same time, they're not feeling uplifted, but rather put down by the people, uh, the, hu- exactly. the humans exactly. in the church. Yeah, well, I have to say that when my husband and I first 
started pastoring churches, we used to um, preach sort of a mixture of grace and law. And it was about the time of my um, cancer journey that we started discovering that grace is grace, that the law was given so that we would see that we're not perfect, that we need grace. And then once we have that realization, then that law is no longer what should rule our lives. And I think so many pastors in churches are still teaching that you're saved by grace, but now you better toe the mark. These are the rules, and if you break any of them, watch out. And that that isn't grace. <laughs> that isn't real grace. Now, um, once you've discovered grace and asked Jesus to be your Savior, uh, should you run around doing whatever the heck you want to do without thought to it? I, I don't believe that if you truly ask Jesus into your heart that you'd even want to do that. Right. And so the answer to that question that I give people is that if you've, Really ask Jesus to be your Savior. Once you have the Lord of the universe living inside of you, why would you even want to do those things that you, the world would consider bad things, Mm -hmm. you know? So our method of teaching has changed so much over the years. In the past 12 years since my cancer diagnosis, we no longer teach people about, uh, oh, you're saved by grace, but now toe the mark, which we used to do, like so many others. Now we teach grace, Mm -hmm. that God is grace, and that we should remember to forgive other people the same way that we've been forgiven. We didn't deserve forgiveness, but he forgave us just by us asking. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why the people in our church don't feel condemned, why they keep coming back. Right is because we're not beating them over the head with the law, beating them over the head with rules that if you don't follow all of these, you're going to go to hell. Right. Now they know that Jesus is joy, he's peace, he's love, he's compassion. He's he's also um, a mark that we can't reach, which is why he died for us and rose again. We'll never be able to achieve the goodness that it would take to reach God, but we don't have to. Jesus did that for us. And we just want to make sure that everyone knows that the big thing is making sure that you ask him into your heart to be your Savior and Lord. And then, does he know you're going to mess up? Of course he does. If we were created perfect, we wouldn't have needed him to die and rise again, would we? So, Am I going to mess up? Oh, every day, every single day, not on purpose, but I'm going to mess up. I've been messing up my whole life, and I used to feel so filled with shame and and condemnation and guilt, and now when I mess up, I just say, oops, sorry, God, didn't mean to do that. Thank you that you have already forgiven me. Thank you. Thank you for talking about this because I I know so many people come from a fear-based doctrine and and then you lose people. So Right, right. Big old 
uh, big old god up in the sky, white beard, <laughs> pain, smacking you down every time you do anything wrong, you know, yes. and and not seeing the grace and the and the arms, you know. Um, I saw a a painting of Jesus holding, hugging someone, and I ordered a copy of it, and it's hanging on my wall right in front of me as I speak to you, and it's it's entitled. Um, first day in heaven, running into Jesus's arms. And that is exactly the way I envision it. And that's the way we explain it to people now when they're in a nursing home on a deathbed Mm -hmm. um, and we're asking them, have you ever asked Jesus to be your savior? And they're saying no, or I don't know. How do you know if you've done that? (laughs) And then we share Jesus with them. And they ask him into their hearts. And I'll tell you what, when they leave this place, the smile on their face is certainly worth remembering uh, versus the the looks that we used to see on people's faces as they were terrified, filled with fear about leaving. Where am I going to go? And that's, in essence, the reason I wrote Fear and Other Names of the Enemy. Well, good segue. Let's go into that one. Okay. In my foreword, the way I start that off is some have asked me why I chose to focus on the topic of fear for this book. My answer, because no matter who you are, what faith or lack thereof drives you, no matter your profession or life's experiences, we have all been afraid at one time or another. All have experienced that stabbing pain in the pit of our stomach, the bewilderment and confusion of not knowing the terror as it goose steps down your spine or the overwhelming sense that you might be the one and only person in the universe too dreadful to love. Mm. I think we have all been there. Mm -hmm. Even those people who grew up in a church family and thought they had it all covered, I don't think that we have ever talked to anyone who will say that they never had that moment that moment of wondering. And, you know, that's Satan's job is to make sure that we're terrified. He's a liar, and he uses a lot of different methods. And I touch on all of those in in my book, Fear and Other Names of the Enemy. Mm-hmm. Um, in Psalm 27.1, it says, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Well, Satan wants to make sure that no matter what, you're terrified enough to not make it there. Because, you know, if you're afraid of whether or not you're going to go to heaven, then then that is what sticks in your brain, and it makes it hard for you to realize that nothing that you did got you salvation. So. Once you have it, nothing that you can do will lose it. You know, he never leaves us or forsakes us. So I cover a lot of different names of the enemy. Uh, fear, regret, doubt, unbelief, guilt and shame, hate, envy, jealousy, pride, arrogance, grief, despair, helplessness, hopelessness, anxiety and stress, self-righteousness unforgiveness, those are all names of the enemy. And those are all things that get you so 
so filled up with yourself that you forget to keep your eyes on Jesus. And all of those, Donna, are fear-based. I mean, those are all based on fear. And so if we can kind of conquer that fear, which is actually a quite a powerful motivator and not always in the right direction. Um, yeah, so. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, I, I think this book really, really tends to open one's eyes um, so that we can kind of see who God is and who you know, who we are. What does the world say we are? What does Jesus say we are? And help us to become conformed to the image of Jesus. Uh, people think that that's almost blasphemous to say, but Jesus said that you'll be able to do these things and more once I go to be with the Father. Jesus already gave us that power to be salvation to the world, not us individually, but through him. And I think as long as we know that that's our purpose here, that to help the world see that good isn't evil and evil isn't good, you know, so that they don't lose sight of the truth, so that they find out who the enemy is and, and how to conquer him in their life. You know, I'm no longer afraid of anything. Mm -hmm. I used to be terrified of everything all the time because I was such a mess. I'm still kind of a mess sometimes, but I know that, that I'm covered because Jesus paid it all 2,000 years ago, you know? I'm not afraid of sickness anymore. I am not afraid of death anymore. I am not afraid of what's going on in the world anymore. I'm not, I'm not blocked in my mind by circumstances. I don't have to feel happy all the time because I'm filled with joy all the time. Jesus is my everything. You know, I just, I know that he's got my back all the time, even when I mess up. So I'm, I'm blessed. I'm grateful. I'm, I'm grateful for you, for you guys, for this, uh, for this opportunity, for this venue. And the opportunity to share my story because, you know, every time I do an interview with you or every time I pass out bookmarks and that sort of thing, I have a surge in book sales. Now, that might sound greedy, but and I suppose in a way it is, but it's also a way to get the word out there. Yes. Knowing that more people are reading my books, then I know that more people are finding out about the grace of God. And that's my purpose here. So, so knowing you and knowing, uh, Firebird Book Awards is helping me get my name out there so that more people find out about the Lord, more people find out about His kingdom and how to get there. And it helps me to feel like I'm fulfilling my purpose. Mm -hmm. Oh, thank you. You're such a beautiful soul. Thank you for saying that. I love these conversations with you. I also really appreciated your book cover with the barbed wire spelling out the word fear. I thought that was oh, yeah. quite appropriate. Um, I do have to say, though, that, um, and, and I've mentioned her name before, Christina Hicks, at Christina Hicks Creative at gmail.com. She's the lady that does my covers and layouts, and 
I kind of tell her in my mind, not through my mind. I mean, we don't communicate <laughs> through brain waves, but I write on an email because she lives in Oklahoma and I'm in Iowa. Um, I let her know kind of basically what's on my mind and she comes up with this stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She's when, you know, Christina um, Hicks creative, she's very creative. And so I do have to give her credit for that. Um, when she came up with that one, I was blown away mm-hmm. by what it looked like. And I said, oh, that cover That's alone it. will sell books. <laughs> it's, you know? It's so true. Give her my compliments. I will. I will. Yeah. Um, I'm still also working on my sister, you know, to yes. get me her um, her poetry so we can put it together in a book. Absolutely. I hope you can nudge her in that direction. She has written some beautiful poetry. Oh, and and she's actually, um, through a, a little thing that she belongs to, and I can't think of the name of it right offhand, but she's actually won a couple of prizes um, for for some of her poems. So I would love to get them all together in a book yes. and, you know, in different categories and stuff and, and get that out there. And then I believe I would enter that in the Firebird <laughs> Book Awards. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I just had somebody write a, now I don't remember the, the genre of the book, but he included bits of poetry within the book to kind of soften things and to make it a point. So maybe in one of your upcoming books, you can beg, borrow, or steal a couple of your sister's poems and include it within your book. Oh, that would be a wonderful idea. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And when I do that, you will get the credit for that. (laughs) Oh, my. I'm just racking up points today. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) You're so funny. You know, you say that all of your books begin a little gritty. I thought that was interesting. Yes. Well, since so many of my uh, fiction works, well, and also my nonfiction, have bits and pieces of my life in there. Um, it's real life. I've had people say to me, oh, I, oh, I can't even imagine that, some, that that would happen to somebody, and those things have actually happened to me. So, and I, and I know people who have been through worse. So I believe that life is gritty, and I also believe that God can use those things. I don't think God makes bad things happen. I think we live in a sinful world, and bad things happen. And if you know him, then he can turn around and use those things. Romans 8.28, all things can be used for his glory, for those who love him and are according to his purpose. But just knowing that he can take those things, I didn't know that as a kid, but I know now that whenever something awful happens, he can take that for his children and turn it around and make it into something that's going to give him glory, that's going to bring somebody to Christ. And when I look back over my life, I think of things that have happened and See how they worked in my life. I mean, I now counsel women who have been uh, physically, emotionally, or sexually abused. Mm. I, I wouldn't be able to tap into something that wasn't there. Right. So the fact that those things happened to me are things that I can tap into now, and they don't—they don't make me cry. You know, when I see a woman who has been released. 
who has come to know Jesus as Savior and has let go of the horrible things that happened to her as a child through counseling that God has led me into, that makes me cry. Mm-hmm. But the experiences themselves don't. Right. You know, I'm long over that. Right. What a gift that you can turn this around and help others. And there are so many people in need of that kind of help and understanding and guidance. Oh, and in this day and age, yes. gosh, yeah, every other time you turn around, yes. you're meeting somebody who needs to know Jesus. That's so, you know? so true. Oh, thank you for all you do. Thank you for this conversation. I want to make sure we're not missing anything. We, I took you a little sidestep today, but uh, make sure we're on track and we're not missing anything that you wanted to highlight. Well, um, my website, uh, com. If people go there, they can see not only the books that have won awards, but contact information, uh, things coming up, and that sort of thing. My my website isn't the most imaginative because, as far as websites go, I am technologically ignorant. <laughs> but um, but it has the basic information and and that sort of thing, and where my books are available and stuff like that. I I'm so grateful for you, Pat. I everyone who listens to these interviews and here's your voice says to me I would like to meet her she just sounds like the nicest person and I always tell them every time I talk to her I am just enthralled by what a sweet godly lady you are and I always look forward to the next time we're going to talk I know. I, I so appreciate your words. It's so kind of you to say these things to me um, because I think we all know just a kind word can really turn somebody's day or even life around. So thank you for saying that. And I feel the same way about you. It's just such a gift to know you, your wonderful books, your work, this most recent book, Grace Abounding and Fear and Other Names of the Enemy. So such important works. Keep writing and... Um, I will. I will. And we're going to get some kids' books out there. I know. I'm looking for kisses, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. I think that will be an appropriate title. Oh, my gosh. You are the best. Donna Young. It's DonnaMYoungWriting.com. Everyone needs to head over to that website and check out all of your very important books and get copies of each one and share them with people who you know might benefit from them. So. Donna, thank you for today. You are a blessing. I'm so happy we are friends. And so am I. Thank you, Pat. God bless you, and God bless all the work that you do. 